When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The Art History Base. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Jen. I'm Natalie. I'm Ginny, and we are the Art History Babes. Wow. We are the Art History Babes. (laughs) Remember when Jen made us do that live? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I did make you do that, didn't I? Yeah, in Mexico. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I was trying to find some semblance of, like, I don't know. Like It It was cute. All of it a just, sudden, we were confronted by the entire group of people, and my weird, like, teacher side took over and was like, Whoa, let's construct artifice. And that's what happened. <laughs> it was actually a really good idea. Like, but we just, like, we messed it up. Like, yeah, a we were times. all too surprised. <laughs> well, no, no it was but good, you know what? I think that was really true to form because we mess it up often. So, yeah, it, it's you true. Know, we were just live. Accurate. Yeah. We, we were just live. Are. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Truly. So we, yeah, we are the art history babes back from Mexico. That's what we were just talking about. We were talking about being in Mexico and yeah, being confronted with um, just a live group of listeners and it was awesome. Um, But we were also just uh, weird and awkward at the same time. (laughs) I know we were, and we had not gotten very much sleep Mm -hmm. and we just had the pleasure of checking into our hotel in Mexico city. (laughs) And yeah, it was just a whole thing Or I guess we checked in the night before, but I was still reeling from it. (laughs) Um, It was an experience. It certainly was. was. It certainly was. Now I, I remember too, that first night, our first dinner with everyone with like, um, the whole group of people, we went out to dinner. We had like a lovely dinner with this amazing view. And um, at one point it was at the very end of the night and I had to get everyone's attention because of like the check or something. And I was just like, hey, everyone. And like three of them were like, is a new podcast episode starting? And I was like, oh, that's so weird. Embarrassing. Like, it's just weird that like my yeah, like my my voice elicits a certain reaction. I don't know. It's like a it's a mind fuck. I'm like, why? Like. It's weird to realize, I guess, in real time with people that like they've been listening to you for years, you know, it's like it's a trip. It's a trip. I know I I had a couple of experiences of just like a couple of the lovely people on the trip just saying things to me like, oh, I remember, you know, you um, yeah, you you 
did uh, your thesis on like this and and stuff like that and talking to me about like stuff that I've done and I was like huh (laughs) (laughs) you know about you know about me (laughs) how how do you know about me yeah me (laughs) (laughs) and obviously like when you think about it yeah we've been we've been sharing our lives with the internet for like six years at this point but it's still It's still weird when you meet someone who who knows you from that first and like, yeah, you're kind of confronted with like, oh, you do probably know quite a bit about me. <laughs> you know? I know. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's what's going to happen when I meet um, the guys from last podcast on the left in <laughs> August. I'm going to be like, do you remember that time that you said this in that one episode? And he's going to be like, no, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I've you moved fucking on. Weirdo. No, it's um, definitely a trip, but that's kind of, that's what we're doing with this episode. We're going to talk about our Mexico trip a little mm-hmm. bit and, um, and also uh, let that uh, naturally flow in to a spirited discussion on Mexican folk art. Mexico was a time and first and foremost, just thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who came. You all just were the most amazing people. We were, we just got so incredibly lucky with the group of everyone who came. It was so fun. And I was really impressed with like the majority of people on the trip with us just came like by themselves Mm -hmm. and then made friends with everyone. I was like, damn. Cause like, if the situation were reversed, I don't know if I would necessarily do that. Like I'm so used to just like going on trips with friends. So that was very cool. And Mm -hmm. it was just this cosmic collection of people and everyone was like friends and was really cool and smart and funny. And talented. We got to see some of our guests. Friends, I don't know what to call them, make art <laughs> and damn. Like, oh yeah. Very talented people on that trip. Yeah. And and yeah, <laughs> and all like people with all different like focuses, people, you know, in all different um kind of career paths. And yeah, just interesting, talented, cool people. And it really was, I mean, it was only seven days, but like it feels like a lot of bonds were formed. Like, like tears were shed at the end of this week. Like yeah. Yeah, it was just, camp. It was. It was really cool. And Adult it was summer. really just so awesome to see that yeah, this this stuff that that we've been creating um attracts just really dope people. <laughs> like, like it just feels really good. I'm like, cool. Like all because literally everyone on the trip was awesome. There wasn't a single, single bad egg in the group. It was a mm-hmm. great great group of people so y'all are wonderful uh lifelong friends uh let's do it again anytime literally i know i mean i was really impressed by yeah the fact that it was only a week and we were immediately like bosom buddies i thought that was some (laughs) i thought that was like some pretty amazing social skills on everybody's part like (laughs) damn I mean that's kind of amazing and then yeah the fact that we didn't have one uh problem person on the trip because we've all done trips like this before with uh a tour and there's usually at least one person who is a huge problem and we didn't have that happen and I'm really proud of everybody so I would love to travel with everybody again and 
the fact that our uh, Telegram chat is still so active tells me that it's going to happen. So, yeah, everyone from the trip listening, we love you. We loved going to Mexico with you. And um, I would love to travel with y'all again. So let's definitely make it happen. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the group. And we were in Mexico City first. Mm -hmm. And then we were in Oaxaca. Mexico City, I got um, some mild altitude sickness. Oh, I didn't know I was prone to until this trip. I didn't even know Mexico City had a high elevation. Woefully underprepared there. (laughs) That's Uh, so funny that I think it was like day two that it (laughs) dawned on me that we were a, a few thousand feet higher than Denver. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. And then suddenly I felt really good because I, I've been to Mexico City before and I don't know, I've never been there in like the middle of summer. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I just was like, God, it's so hot and I'm, I'm so uncomfortable and I feel like I'm having trouble breathing. And I just thought like, I must just be getting old and mm-hmm. out of shape. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me that we were at like 7,000 feet above Mm -hmm. sea level. And I was like, I'm good. I'm doing great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like the location of Mexico city is wild. It is how that city was built. (laughs) Like (laughs) It's a testament to the sheer audacity of human (laughs) beings. Yes. (laughs) Because hundred percent the, the old, you know, mythical story. The myth is that there was a, a, a group of indigenous folk, you know, were um, sort of just traveling for like a couple hundred years, like through the desert, like 200 years or something. And that they were looking for was an eagle perched on top of a cactus. Later on, the iconography of a snake, the eagles eating a snake was added. But they're looking for this eagle on a cactus. And that's where they're going to build their like great city. And then the myth is that they found the eagle on the cactus with the snake in the middle of this huge lake. I believe it was called Lake Texcoco or something. It's gone. It's it's like not a lake anymore. And now it's Mexico City because that's where the Aztec decided that this is where we're going to build a city. Uh, lake be damned. Right? <laughs> Incredible. And they, they did. And did Mexico it. City is sinking how many centimeters per year? Did it was, say? yeah, they said, so, cause I was going to say, <laughs> I feel like we were going on these tours around the city and like every five minutes, there's something to remind you, like it's sinking, it's sinking. and it's sinking fast. All the buildings are just slightly <laughs> akimbo, which yeah. I thought was a little disorienting, you know, and obviously I was having a lot of drinks on the trip. So I was like, am I hungover or is that just cause the city's sinking or is it the elevation or is it because it's humid? <laughs> yeah, no, it was and all I, those things combined. I was yeah. like, whoa. Yeah, I, <laughs> think, <laughs> I think I like I could be wrong here. So if I'm wrong, don't yell at me. But I think we figured out like we did the, the math or whatever with at least the figures we were told. And I think it was something like 50 centimeters a year, which is like a crazy amount to be sinking like I'm, I'm gonna look it up because I know it's it is a crazy amount and I yeah now I just have to know 
It's like an alarming number. Like it's a number it's... you don't expect. <laughs> oh my god, it is. It's fifty centimeters. Hell yeah! Damn, well that's done, amazing. Mark. Twenty inches a year. That's so. That's much. so that much, dude. That's, that's too so much. much. That's yeah, much too much. So Shit. <laughs> basically, y'all go to Mexico City. This might not be there. I know. Everyone goes on and on about Venice and how you got to get to Venice before it sinks. Oh, my God. Whatever. But, you know, Venice Mm -hmm. isn't sinking. (laughs) The water level's just rising. You know, Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, If you can go to Venice, go. uh, But Mexico City, (laughs) like, come on. 50 centimeters a year. That's nuts. That's nuts, dude. I don't. And you got to believe even, it's going to keep going up, right? Like that number. Yeah, it's go just going to go down. No, it's going to go up. And it's also why there's so many earthquakes there, because it's mm-hmm. literally the city is built on like clay, which it's, people were weird, weirdly chill about. Like, I mean, I guess you just adapt, but it feels like that could be really disastrous at some point. Well, no, it has been. I mean, it was only a couple of years ago. I believe it was 2017 there was a really devastating earthquake that was not, the epicenter wasn't in Mexico city, but uh, there was a lot of damage in Mexico city. Anyway, I guess yeah. the way you get used to it in California, I was although just say I think it's, it's kind of how it is here. I think it's a lot crazier, but at the same time, like, you know, seismologists uh, have been saying <laughs> that like, nice. you know, <laughs> we're due for another no words, big one. Yeah. Seismologists. Yeah. Um, they're they're cool but yeah I don't know you live in a place that could get it shit rocked I guess you just kind of adapt like if you were living at the base of a volcano it's true they also do they also do (laughs) (laughs) no I feel like wherever you are like the natural disaster like like I grew up in the Midwest and I was outside like chasing tornadoes like it's just you just kind of like you just face it you face it head on whatever it is so humans are brazen is what we're learning from this conversation (laughs) yeah Yeah. building cities on lakes and then just being like yeah it's fine yeah it's it's pretty amazing (laughs) You know, and another thing that I really, I mean, I guess I like this about Mexico City, but it is a little bit somber is just the fact that like, you cannot walk down the street without seeing the direct imposition of Spanish colonialism, literally on top of the monuments of the indigenous Mm-hmm. peoples before the the pre-hispanic people or the mesoamerican people the mexica that is a pretty amazing part of being in mexico city is being in the capital of mexico which was also the capital of the most powerful empire to rule in the valley of mexico before the spanish came and so everywhere you go you are literally seeing crosses built on top of like volcanic rock with a feathered serpent on it and it's wild to see yeah i that was like honestly one of my favorite parts like when we went to the basilica and like it is it's it's a catholicism like symbols of catholicism just intertwined and built on top of yeah indigenous symbols of like of earlier spiritual beliefs which is just it's just cool like it's just really interesting i mean obviously like 
Spanish colonialism is not cool, but um, it was but, pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. Pretty terrible, actually. But um, but to see is I this guess, an so- art and the artist conversation? <laughs> yeah, oh, my maybe. God. <laughs> no, yeah, no but, it is. But to see, um, I guess just like the the point I'm trying to make is to see Catholicism that is so clearly just from a visual standpoint, not just Catholicism is mm-hmm. is really interesting to look at. And just the history nerds in us, like that's how shit happened. So mm-hmm. as much as we can not like it, like we like art history because it's a visual representation of what's happened. So exactly, exactly. Yeah. Seeing things so clearly superimposed in that way, I think it's just so clear and and straightforward in a way mm-hmm. that my my brain likes, even though mm-hmm. it's a bad uh, situation, you know, the colonial yeah. endeavor is a, a a complete nightmare, probably the most violent thing to ever happen to humanity, but just seeing it uh, everywhere. And that's something that we'll talk about a little bit later. But you know, the word that I keep going back to is uh, syncretism with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes. so that pops up everywhere you go. And especially when you are in what I want to, I mean, the value of Mexico is in a lot of ways, like the heart of the colonial project and where you see the most evidence of it because of the advanced roots of civilization that were there before the Spanish came. So when you go up a little bit north, it's a lot of desert. There isn't as much architecture that survives. That's not to say that there are not archaeological sites, but the amount of just sites that exist in the Valley of Mexico are just so numerous. And then you go even more south, suddenly you are in the thickest jungle that you can imagine. And they're still finding hills in like Guatemala that they find out that are not hills, they're temples that have been Mm. just reclaimed by jungle. And so really in the Valley of Mexico is where you have the most amount of ancient, uh, whether it's architecture or sculpture or what have you that really did kind of stick around. And you could see the Spanish sort of were like, well, you know, we like it. We're just going to put a church on top of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? We like it. Now here's a church. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 100%. Yes. Um, um, and, and some of those churches were a sight to behold. We saw some insane churches. Insane. Catholicism 2.0. Yeah. Is Mexi- Mexican Catholicism. <laughs> Catholicism gone wild. Like it yeah. was nuts. <laughs> yeah. Mexicalist. So when we went to the <laughs> when we went to the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe, I turned around and suddenly, like the way the way that one would collect Mardi Gras beads at Mardi Gras <laughs> was Corey just covered in rosaries. And so- <laughs> I was like, oh, look, look, I've got, there it is. There's my rosary. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you can, I mean, they got, they got every kind of rosary you could possibly want. Like, (laughs) 
crazy rosaries, glow in the dark rosaries. Rosaries. Oh yeah. You, you look through the little peephole, and there's a little tiny Virgin Mary. Was just um, talking about that. My favorite was the. It wasn't even the rosary. It was that that crucifix, like a the glow like in the a, dark. Yeah, it was like a crucifix. I don't know, like um, probably almost two feet, foot and a half, whatever. And the in the Jesus hanging on the cross was just was he would he glowed in the dark <laughs> he was yes. just, he was a glow in the dark jesus i know hanging i kind of regret not buying that. i know it I was so camp. About it, like, it was so camp once a week yeah <laughs> it was just it was, such a strong visual I'm, just, was I'm also so mad good. i didn't even take a picture of it like yeah it was something uh, special for sure <laughs> what's the opposite of buyer's regret I have that with like <laughs> non-buyers the, remorse. Yeah. Like most yeah. of the stuff that we saw, if I could go back, I would have just bought it and just checked an extra bag or something. I know. Cause I just cause... wanted so much shit. And I was mm-hmm. like, no, I'm like carrying on and I should have just fucking bought it, you know, but whatever Mexico will be there and I will come back with my credit card mm-hmm. <laughs> ready to buy that glow in the dark. Jesus. Then, yep. We will get all the glow in the dark. Jesus. I'm going to get like five of them. So <laughs> I'm going to just start giving them as gifts to people. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. People are going to be like, great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. So good. Um, oh my God. Mexico city. What a place. I, I really enjoyed it. I saw cannibal corpse. <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah. So I, totally, I totally forgot about that. That was awesome. Our last <laughs> night in Mexico City. I know. And it was a little bit of a sketchy situation too, because I couldn't get us like an Uber back. So we had to take a crazy expensive taxi to get back to the hotel. Don't just don't get in a taxi in Mexico City, you know, because um it was so expensive. I want to give a shout out to Emily for being super down to go see Cannibal Courts and Gate Creeper at uh, El Circo Volador in Mexico City. Uh, it was hot. It was sweaty. We could not get a beer to save our lives. And on multiple occasions, I thought I was going to pass out slash shit my pants. Oh, right. That's when your uh, traveler's diarrhea really hits you. Okay. So let's just right away. I just want to right away just say something is that I am always getting upset with people who are like, Mexico, huh? Don't drink the water. And it really bothers me that there are so many stereotypes about Mexico and the water. And you're going to get Montezuma revenge which i think is so racist and super problematic it's such a problem and um but let me tell you that i did shit for like two weeks and um (laughs) like a lot i don't think that was from the water though it wasn't i think we were having too much (laughs) we we just (laughs) ate a lot (laughs) we ate a lot of pork (laughs) and i got like one tiny bacterium that just lingered it was just a lingerer (laughs) insane Um, and uh, yeah, but I did. I had to. Uh, I had to call the urgent care nurse when I got back, like a week later, because oh. I was like, I can't believe this is still happening. <laughs> and the nurse was like, um, "You got Montezuma's revenge," and I was like, "Don't say that. Don't Jeez, say that you to dare. anybody." 
don't I, I swear did. to God, the nurse at UC Davis Ooh. said those words and I filed a complaint because that's where Good. I'm at in my life at yeah. this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I am filing complaints. So <laughs> yep. love that. Take note, she's filing complaints. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. But Mexico um, City, I love you. I can't wait to go back. Um Oaxaca though. Oh, also oh. Be, um before we leave Mexico City, we also we manifested a drag show that oh one my night. god on a, on a Monday night we were like it so was a, crazy it was a Monday night and we like had kind of a free night and everyone we all went to this really nice dinner at a great place it was lovely it was amazing and some of us that were like feeling like we wanted to go out that night like we're like let's go to a drag show let's find a drag show like and everyone was like yeah yeah and then like. Jen was on the phone and like looking for places and it was just Couldn't like everywhere anywhere man every every place we looked at was like closed on Mondays and it was like god damn it like, and we were just the, like the gays don't go out on Monday like <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. And we just like couldn't find anything. And then the group of us that like wanted to go out, we're like, we'll just wander. We'll hit a bar. Like we had found like a speakeasy type like place that looked really cool. That seemed really trendy. And so we were like, we'll just like wander there, whatever. And we're we're on our way there. We're almost there. And then like just a couple doors down, it it looked like a place that was just like a good time. Like it like music, lights, basically everyone in the group was like let's check that place out like that place is where fun is happening right yeah, especially because like, the speakeasy was not letting us in yeah <laughs> so. yeah. And, yeah it was just like we were standing in line and nothing was happening and it and everyone was just kind of like let's go to that place it looks lit you know and so we go we go in and we like walk up the stairs and we get up there and we turn around and there's a full-on drag show <laughs> happening and we were like what? so amazing how did this happen and then uh and then they sat us in the front row and right in the like, front started feeding us tequila yeah and um it was um it was pretty amazing i was really pleased so if you're ever in mexico city and you're looking for um the fun lgbtq plus uh nightlife zona rosa is where you want to go zona rosa you will find i think there's a bar called pussy um oh, yeah, yeah. No point. <laughs> so it's a great place um but yeah that, that was amazing I know I that really felt like just a little blessing it was it was a little a, blessing. A pre-pride month blessing mm-hmm. for sure for sure look Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. What We only had, like... Was it three days, three, four days in Mexico yeah. City? It mm-hmm. went by like a whirlwind. And mm-hmm. then we jumped on a little plane 
to Oaxaca, which I had never been there before. When, when we were in Mexico City, I was like, <laughs> I know everything about Mexico City because I've been there a bunch of times, but it was nice to go somewhere new. And Oaxaca was more than I could have expected. It was, I, it was incredible. incredible. Yeah. I was incredible. so enchanted just immediately. Yep. was like, oh, beautiful <laughs> hotel. We stayed at a beautiful hotel. And it actually had an enclosed bathroom, which was mm. really good for With me. Doors um, that lock. Yeah. Specifically, <laughs> I needed a bathroom that was enclosed. And that was great. And we, oh my God, we thought there was going to be a hurricane. Oh, we yeah. Like, There's a hurricane is coming. And my yeah. dad called me on our last day in Mexico <laughs> City. And I was just already annoyed when I saw his name pop up on my phone. Because <laughs> if you think that I think I'm like the Mexico expert, like <laughs> my dad is so annoying about Mexico and had been he's a he's a Virgo like myself. And did I know that my dad and I have almost the same birthday. He's uh, the 17th and I'm the 18th of September. That's cute. Um, but he's a real pain in the ass. He's a toxic Virgo. <laughs> and um, so the entire time he was just trying to micromanage my trip. And when he called me, I was just already mad that I picked up the phone. And I was like, what? And he's like, Jennifer, there's going to be a hurricane in Oaxaca. And I was like, dad, just like, what are you talking about? And I was just mad. And I got off the phone with him and I was like, whatever. And then I looked at the weather and there's this huge, like angry red, like spiral of death, like coming (laughs) into like the coast of Oaxaca, right as we're supposed to get on an airplane to get there. And we were all just like, oh my god what are we gonna do is it gonna be bad and we got like umbrellas and shit like which i think is really cute of us that we got umbrellas <laughs> to show up to a hurricane i know i thought that was it really is adorable. it is it is precious i've yet to use that umbrella it's still just sitting it's still packed away <laughs> i don't even know what i did with mine i um, missed this whole outing i didn't get an umbrella you guys are just oh, gonna really? leave me no, to no, die. I, you no. are gonna have to face the hurricane head on. Fly away. That yeah, was carried we away. We were that all day. gonna be safe with our umbrellas. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I'd be the most likely to be carried away in that scenario. No. Anyway, but we get there and like there's no hurricane. The yeah, weather's it beautiful. It, it was beautiful. Fine. It was gorgeous. The it weather only, was perfect. like rained a little bit. Like, I sprinkled. think like one night. Yeah. But it was still like warm and it wasn't like torrential by any means. Yeah, because like the first day we were there, we went to that amazing restaurant. And it was granted, it was like 3 p.m., but it was this beautiful courtyard that we just had solely to ourselves. And they had like a roof that they could open or close and they had opened it and it was sprinkling Mm -hmm. a little, then they closed it. I was like, could Mm -hmm. you close that please? (laughs) That was, wow. Uh, That's where I like, was just like, we, we made it. Are good. Yeah. And that was also, that was also right after we went to the greatest like thrift slash antique shop I've ever experienced. Whoever was watching my Instagram story that day got a real treat because I didn't (laughs) save the photos, but we saw some art. 
We saw some <laughs> art. We saw some art. Real yes. art. Uh, real art. It was in that place. I want to live in that place. That's what I want my home to look like. Like yeah. it, it, it was so special. And I want that painting so, in my it was just house. <laughs> it was just so oh. wild. Fight yeah, over that was, painting. There was oh, some like yeah. pretty, pretty high key erotic stuff going on. Uh oh, yeah. there there was a botched taxidermy oh, leopard oh, <laughs> poor animal that poor yeah. guy there was just treasures just treasures mm-hmm. galore yeah. in this place oh, the crawling were, jesus yeah. who like had his butt <laughs> yes. up yes yes god i know i need to still we we should post these to the uh close friends when we post this episode yeah yeah because i have pictures of all of these things we're talking about so i'll do i'll do a whole yeah like thrift shop post just so you Mm -hmm. guys can can see some of the the goodies because it was it it was magic i i felt like we had walked into something special there for sure we definitely (laughs) did we've never been in a place like that before and probably never will after yeah truly truly yeah we had probably some of the best food I've ever eaten in my life in Oaxaca. Um, oh, for sure. And um, gosh, you know, I, I just want to go back. I want to go back so bad. Mm-hmm. I want yeah. to live there. I want to eat those heirloom tomatoes every day. Oh. Um, I want the cafe de olla. I want all the mole. I want mm-hmm. the tamales. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm so hungry. This is killing me right now. I know. I am I'm hungry. literally looking up food on my phone. But <laughs> I'm dying here and now thinking about all that food. Oh, and it was so beautiful. God. Like the plating was so like true everywhere. Yes. Everywhere. Culinary yeah. art. Every dish that we had there like you can really just tell when whoever is making the food there's like so many layers of like ingredient and thoughtfulness and intention behind what goes into it how it's presented how it's made over time and you really you really do taste that difference Um, yeah that was some master chef style food and you know it really Sacramento likes to fancy itself the form to fork capital of the world, which is wrong and stupid um, because it's not Sacramento. Um, I don't know where it is, but it's it's more Oaxaca than Sacramento. Yeah, for sure. For sure. sure. Went to a beautiful, just Baroque of all Baroque cathedral. God. The most, the most ornate church I have ever stepped foot in. Like it, I don't, I think that church was way more insane than anything I saw in like Italy. Like that place oh, was dude, nuts. It was encrusted. Nuts. It was inc- yeah. like encrusted I, everywhere. Yeah. I yeah. love everywhere. that we all, it's so funny because, uh, you know, we went there also shout out Zach and Nathan. They were just very lovely and, and willing to include us all in their culinary um, adventures. And I loved all of that. But I just remember we all had the exact same reaction when we walked like through the threshold into the church Mm -hmm. where we were just like, shut the fuck up. Like (laughs) all of us looked at each other and we're like, shut up. Yeah, It looked um, just amazing. Just an amazing, amazing cathedral and coming from coming from the four of us like 
combined, we've been in a lot of churches. Like, yeah. like that's like part of an art history, like degree. You, you, you end yeah. up in a lot of churches and this place was next level, like it, completely. Yeah. yeah. Really if anybody was. wants to know the name of the church, it was a uh, Templo de Santo Domingo de Guzman, not quite a cathedral, there is a cathedral in the middle of the Zocalo, which is like the city center in Oaxaca. But this was mm. Santo Domingo de Guzman and apparently huge destination wedding place where everyone wants to get married there, which me. Yeah. Me. <laughs> yeah. <totally. laughs> um, but yeah. Amazing. Incredible. We all had our kind of Catholic moments, I think, a little (laughs) bit. Um, And I I thought that was pretty special just being like, well, I'm not like crazy about it, but they really did go off. They went off. They They went off. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. they did. (laughs) I I will always appreciate Baroque maximalism. Yep. 100%. 100 percent there will never be a day that i'm not like down with that Mm -hmm. so that was yeah that was fucking nuts really cool and just the architecture in general in oaxaca like yeah super colorful buildings lots of like terraces and like you'd look down like a little alleyway and be like oh this gorgeous courtyard like so many Mm -hmm. surprises for the guys uh enchantment at every corner I was truly enchanted. Yeah. I cannot wait to go back to Oaxaca. I think it's going to happen soon, actually. I I feel like I'm going to blow the rest of my vacation time at the end of the year and just try to go back there because uh, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, and then we had to come home. Damn it. Yeah. (laughs) That was a buzzkill. Yeah. I was was truly depressed (laughs) when we got back. I, um, I think I'm still depressed from. Yeah. Honestly, seven days just, just wasn't enough. I felt like we needed at least 10. Cause like I said, like we had such a, we had such a vibe with our group and I felt like we were really hitting our stride. Like Mm -hmm. everyone like was just like, had gotten to know each other like completely. And like, we were like in it. And that last night was so fun. Like we had so much fun the last night, but it was like, I want at least three more days of this. You know, know. that would have, I think 10 days would have really been the sweet spot. I would have liked that quite a bit, but, um, you know, now that we've done a trip like this and I mean, I don't know, I just think Mexico is magical and I'd be down to go back and there's a lot to see. So, um, yeah, you know, um, send us uh, some feedback or if anyone has any cool wrecks on the next place we should go, let us know. We'd, we'd love to hear. We'd love to hear Indeed. where yeah. you want to go. Where do you want to go? We, I want Because we definitely want to. Yeah, we want to go. We definitely want to do <laughs> something like this again, especially now that we've like tried it out. And, and we realize it's really cool. It's really cool to meet all of you and hang out with you and see cool shit. It's it's a pretty special experience. And I just feel very, uh, very lucky and grateful mm-hmm. to have been able to, yeah. to do it. Should we take I a guess. break? Let's, Let's take, take a little break. break. A break. Um, we'll, we'll be right back. Burb. 
We're back. We're back. Hope you enjoyed those ads. Ah, yes. Mm. We appreciate you and we appreciate our sponsors. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank Everyone you so much. Is don't skip our ads. You can skip other people's ads. But don't, don't skip ours. Don't, Pretend I didn't say that. Don't do it. <laughs> Pretend I didn't say that. I um I actually it's funny you say that because I was listening to my favorite podcast, Duncan Trussell Family Hour, earlier today. Mm-hmm. And his ads are, they are, they're just, they're masterpieces. Like they are comedic. Like it makes me want to step up my ad game. Like he really, he really makes it fun for you. And so I'm like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not as funny as he is, but I, it does make me want to try harder. <laughs> yeah. He like he really, he really gets it. He really, really, good. really makes it fun. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess. Yeah. We could try harder. We could try harder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Let's try harder. <laughs> or not. We'll see yeah, what happens. We'll see what happens. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, okay. Oh, man. Well, you know what? Let's talk about some art. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. So that was a, a, a little a little recap of Mexico. We didn't get everything in there, but it's impossible. It was it's impossible. Lot. Yeah. Hope you um, uh, got the gist. Yeah, when we post the episode, if um, y'all that went on the trip comment your like one favorite or ridiculous thing that happened in the comments, please, because I would like to read them because um, I'm I forgot. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> I like that idea. That would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Please um, do that. Yeah. Um, please, please, please do that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk about let's talk about some art. Yeah, so, you know, we were in Mexico and we were in some very historical locations. Valley of Mexico is a rich location for not just the history of colonization or seeing, you know, ancient archaeology, um, like the anthropology stuff, all of that. Very, very cool. But the I think the superstar, the superstar of the Valley of Mexico and Mexico in general is Mexican folk art or arte popular mexicana. Popular art, folk art. Um, it's funny that folk art translates to popular art in, in Spanish because that's really what we mean by folk art. It's the art of the folk. you know. Yeah, the art of the folk, <laughs> the art of the people for sure. Yes, yes. And um, so I, uh, you know, I broke down here about four, four different big categories, and I thought we could start with ex votos, also called retablos. These are votive paintings and are just so much fun, and you see them all over the place in Mexico, and we saw quite a few of them at the Basilica of the Virgin of Guadalupe. Also, we saw Frida Kahlo's um, personal collection mm-hmm. on display at the Blue House. Mm-hmm. Incredible. So these votive paintings, I included this um, really adorable one of a cow getting abducted by a UFO. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> in the background, you have the two very sort of iconic volcanoes of Mexico City. You've got El Popo and Itzta in the background. Uh, those are there's they have longer names that I'm not going to try to pronounce because they are in Nahuatl, a language I do not even pretend to speak. So what, what do we got here? We've got a little man 
and it's a it's a painting of a little man and he is looking up in terror as one of his cows is being abducted by a ufo and in <laughs> the upper uh, right hand corner is a little um a little saint a little i actually don't know who this is it's a, a little jesus maybe a, a specific <laughs> kind of jesus I, like- I really don't know Sailor a Moon specific esque? kind of Jesus. I, I like swear that. to you that there are like many different kinds of little baby Jesuses. Yeah, and, it's, you know, I, it's I real. really cannot get uh, to the bottom of it's all a, of them. Just okay. a specific, a specific flavor of Jesus for sure. Exactly, it's a regional Jesus. It's a regional <laughs> Jesus for sure, and. So at the bottom, there's a little inscription and it says Joaquin Ramirez took his animals to go get some water. And all of a sudden, a UFO shows up and took one cow that belonged to his friend. And um, he's giving um, infinite thanks to El Niño de Atocha, which is a type of baby Jesus, um, who... um, blessed him by not letting the UFOs take any of his cows and who also um, allowed for um, his friend to believe him and his friend to not charge him the price of the missing cow, 1969. So that happened. And and that's just one example of an ex photo. So um, these are paintings. They're usually religious images and they give thanks for a miracle or a favor. Um, it's part of a long tradition that is observed all over the world, but uh, specifically in, in Catholic countries um, where you make an offering such as this painting to honor a deity who has done a favor for you. Um, votive, the word votive, we talked about it in our book. Mm-hmm. Check it out. Oh, yeah, um, we have a book. We have a book uh, <laughs> where we talk about stuff. And uh, we we did talk about votive items and a, a votive item, a votive candle, whatever it is. Um, it basically is something in thanks. It's, um, it's also making like a promise. You are kind of exchanging services with the, your deity of choice and usually that just means like i i made this painting for you because you did this miracle for me um and i will continue to venerate you thanks for the favor god and so these are seen all over um they can be made for any saint or any type of Jesus or Mary, depending on your preference. And we saw quite a few of them at the Basilica of the Virgin of Guadalupe because the Virgin of Guadalupe is a very specifically Mexican Virgin Mary. And her association with um, the people of Mexico is tied up in national pride. And therefore she's really, really important. And her most important pilgrimage spot is in Mexico city. And so you will see a lot of people going to the Basilica to bring her gifts, to ask her for miracles, etc., and so forth. So 
originally, uh, these paintings were static images of saints or other religious figures. Uh, They would be donated to the church. Later on, they became more narrative to tell the story of a personal miracle or favor that was received. And so this tradition was brought over to Mexico by the Spanish in the colonial period. Originally, they were only produced by the wealthy on canvas, and then the canvas would be brought to the church. However, as sheets of tin became affordable, um, the lower classes began to have them painted as well. And um, sometimes they are painted by the person who had the miracle happen to them. So these items will sometimes even stay like in a family, like you'll have them on your altar, in your house. Cool. Yeah. And so in order to have an ex voto, you need three things. You need to have a scene illustrating some kind of tragedy or a near missed tragedy or someone who's like really sick or someone who got hurt. And there's also a saint or some kind of martyr who intervened to save the person. And at the bottom is usually a description of the event and who is being venerated and what happened. And it's very descriptive and it'll say the the time and the place and the date and the name of the person. And they get very descriptive and um, it's easy to see the direct influence these types of works had on Frida Kahlo who did a lot of that sort of inscription on her paintings, as well as painting in diminutive scales, um, doing a lot of this like two-dimensional perspective artworks. Yeah, it's very, very big inspiration for her work. Yeah, you can definitely tell like the the stylist, like the uh, mm-hmm. stylistic inspiration. Because like when, yeah, we were at the Basilica, we walked in to this one like kind of museum area and the walls were just lined with them, mm-hmm. um, which is really cool. Like to see them all like lined up by each other is just like, it's just neat. But yeah, they definitely have uh, just Frida Kahlo vibes for sure. And not just lined up, but like, um, what's it called? Stacked. Uh, yeah, Stacked, what's the yeah. the impression? What do they call that? Salon, yeah, salon, salon hang where they went all the way up to the mm-hmm. ceiling. It was. I know. Yeah, I wish cool. I could have gotten a closer look at them because some of them were so. Some of them were very gory too. Like they're yeah, less, yeah, totally. You know? Um, and famously, Frida Kahlo had her gory accident. Mm-hmm. And she painted a number of very small, just unfinished sort of sketches and works of, of just like her lying in the street with the handrail from the trolley mm-hmm. inhaling her and the bus and the bus driver. And there's like a version of Guadalupe. And so like, you know, she painted ex votos. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I saw a couple of them that looked exactly like works that she had painted that mm-hmm. were you know from like the 20s or 30s and and showing like yeah some terrible like horse accident and like <laughs> you know, I, I'm I'm, pa- I'm painting this for my uncle 
Jose who <laughs> almost died when a horse bucked him off and we prayed to St. Jude or whoever. And uh, now he's okay. And, and thank you. And the date. And I, I just, something about that is so straightforward. I don't know. Yeah, totally. There's something like that. There's something just the style, like there's something really fun for lack of better word (laughs) about, about, it's fun fun. Um, about these, honestly. Yeah. A lot of them are gory scenes, but it's in this, yeah, two dimensional plane and like the, the images are like flattened and there's just something there's just something really interesting about yeah seeing a like a violent or a gory scene in this kind of flat style like mm-hmm. something about it is just i don't know it's kind of it's kind of silly and it's kind of cool you know <laughs> yes i mean they they do they're they're very flat often um and it's more about like the information like they're yeah. obviously, they're obviously very, I think that some of them are very artistic and and beautiful. Um, but I get the sense that it's a lot of like, I need to get all the information. Yeah, in, totally. In this small piece of, of tin about everything that happened, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, for, I yeah. just love that. <laughs> and like just a weird side note, but they're almost reminiscent of license plates because of the size and yes. oh, yeah, that yeah. a lot of them are on metal. So there's something about that too, that feels very like, I don't know, like places you would see license plates hanging on the wall. Like it kind of just like brings that. Like a dive yeah. bar. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Like I could yeah. see a dive bar covered in these and like I would drink there. That I would, would be I dope. Would stop that would there. be so cool. <laughs> For some, what is it? Pulque? Pulque. Yeah. Um, the stuff that maybe two of us liked and everyone else was like, Mm-mm. I was into <laughs> it. <laughs> I like it. Um, but yeah, you know, if, uh, gosh, I could just talk about these all day. Mm-hmm. I really highly, highly recommend um, looking these up. They're, um, a lot of them with UFOs in them too, which love is, that. Uh, appeals love that. to me on a personal level <laughs> um, because I just uh, think that UFOs are real and they're in Mexico for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Definitely. But, um, and and exvotos are not just like a thing of the past. They continue to be made. They are still a very important part of um, folk tradition and um, in fact, recently there has been an influx of new ex votos that have been featured on this one article here from the Mexico News Daily. Actually, there are some uh, folks making ex votos over the COVID 19 pandemic and uh, mm. thanking. Again, this uh, Santo Niñito de Atocha, which is a, a little Jesus holding a, a little staff and his cute little hat and his basket. Yeah, just people thanking nurses who saved grandma and, and things like that. So they're even a little bit more secular these days. So, But the tradition is still alive. And I've been in vintage and antique shops in Mexico where they've had these up for sale. Um, and you can tell that they belonged to like a family or something. And I've seen some 
that are just, that are incredible. And I've wanted to buy them, but they feel too personal. I get um, what you mean. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I get what you mean. I've always wanted to buy one of these, but they are just, I think they're personal. So maybe I'll make one one day. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. You know, so we saw quite a few of ex Votos. I really enjoyed those. Another thing that we see quite a bit in Mexico and I don't feel gets very much attention, which is kind of mm-hmm. surprising to me, but you know, you, you, you almost, they're almost ubiquitous are these large or large or small uh, paper craft and specifically a paper craft called cartoneria. Cartoneria is a type of paper mache that is way more sturdy and you've seen it you've seen it all over the place and you would never even think like oh that's made out of paper and it's one of the most enduring traditional mexican folk type of craft um and so cartoneria is just it's it's like it's like cardboard you know it's 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 sculpting in paper. It's not paper mache though. The Mexican artisans don't like to call it that. It's a very specific type of paper crafting where they make the paper extremely hard. So it's like as hard as cardboard. Um, Sometimes it can even be as hard as like rock. And in fact, it has been called carton piedra or rock cardboard uh, because of the rigidness of the final product. And so these type of craft are made usually for yearly celebrations. The thing about cartoneria is that it doesn't last that long. It's made out of paper. They tend to fall apart. And so we see this type of craft used for decorative items for the Day of the Dead is a big one. Also a really fun, I'm doing this fun thing again. <laughs> it's, it's just fun. It's just uh, fun. It's fun though. I just don't know what else to say. It's fun. Um, We're just having fun. All right. <laughs> and it's just fun. Um, there is one of the most important traditions that's associated with cartoneria in Mexico is the burning of Judas on Holy Saturday. <sighs> Damn. which yeah. is awesome Sick. yes <laughs> it's awesome um the burning of judas is what it sounds like they make <laughs> um they make these effigies of you know judas iscariot but it's not it's not even necessarily judas like sometimes they're just like these devil figures or they can be literally anybody you don't like um, and in fact, <laughs> I included an image here of a, a, a burning of Judas of Donald Trump. Yeah, um, I, knew you, were that was. Yes. I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> it's Donald Trump. It's a little bit hard to tell. Um, but this was in 2017 when the president threatened to make Mexico pay for the wall. Um, <laughs> and it was so stupid. And um, <laughs> In Mexico City during the celebration of the burning of Judas, which is um, around Easter, they burned quite a few effigies 
of Donald Trump. And, you know, it obviously it got really blown up in media. They were like Mexicans burning effigies of Donald Trump. And it's like, well, yes, but also (laughs) this is part of a tradition and it's not just Donald Trump. So it's called La Quema de Judas or the Judas burning. It happens in local plazas. These figures are they symbolize Judas Iscariot. Uh, they're stuffed with fireworks and they'll be exploded in local plazas. And it sounds like a fucking hoot. Um, <laughs> it does. It does. You know? <laughs> um, and this, this is an Easter time ritual that's held by Orthodox and Catholic communities. Um, it's not just in Mexico. This practice was once done all across Europe. Now you see it mostly in Greece, Portugal, and Spain, but you also see it in Mexico, Brazil, Venezuela, et cetera, et cetera. Also the Philippines where they get Mm. real hardcore with it. Pretty much if someplace was a Spanish colony, you will probably see some version of this tradition taking place around Easter every year. And, you know, Judas is depicted usually as the devil, but is also identified with a corrupted official. So these figures in the 90s, you know, Pete Wilson was a big one in California. He was uh, famously an anti-immigration governor who also campaigned on um, English-only learning in California schools. So pretty much anyone you don't like who is a corrupted official like Donald Trump and you'll we'll probably see some of justice what's his fucking base Clarence Thomas Clarence Thomas yeah. <laughs> um next year you watch yes, there will hopefully. be a Clarence Thomas um so you know that's all very uh it's all very cathartic but uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm I'm just saying I would like to burn a few effigies right about now. So. You know? <laughs> yeah. But this this tradition of these paper-based handcrafts, though, they they extend far beyond Catholic roots and Catholic traditions. Paper and the development of paper was a big, a big deal during the Mesoamerican period in the Valley of Mexico. And the bark of a type of fig tree was used to make the specific type of paper called amate um, or the fibers of a maguey plant, which we saw quite a few of while we were in Mexico and Oaxaca. The cultivation of these fibers for paper making was banned when the Spanish came over because they wanted to ban the making of books by the indigenous people. Also, the cultivation of the paper was wrapped up in a lot of religious rituals. So the use of paper was forced over to European and Asian produced paper, but obviously these bands are never complete and the production of a mate paper is still a thing. And it still happens, especially in parts of Puebla and Veracruz states of Mexico. And so, you know, they tried to sort of squash paper production. They introduced paper mache, which is what we're more used to, what we know a bit more about. And these were originally introduced to Mexico to make items for church. So in the early colonial period, paper would be glued to 
um, glued together using animal glue to make religious icons and things to be used in procession. And the craft developed in central Mexico. But in the 20th century, the artist Pedro Linares was one of the pioneers of really taking this craft and making it into like the art form that we are familiar with now. Um, and he was known as a cartonero. So people who make cartoneria are called cartoneros. And again, huge patrons of the 20th century Mexican folk art were Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera. Um, and they used to commission works from Pedro Linares and other cartoneros, and the crafts became very popular. So Mexico City, they are best known for their production of cartoneria, and there are various markets all around Mexico City that are known for their artisan markets of cartoneria. So it's not just uh, Judas and Day of the Dead figures. They also make piñatas, masks, dolls, etc., and so forth. I have a couple hanging around my house. They're, you know, devastating to try to bring over from Mexico because they break because they're paper. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I've got a yeah. couple of, of dented ones that I'm just like, oh. But um, but yeah, I love I love it. Cartoneria. Keep an eye out for it. Next time you're in Mexico, you will certainly see it and be prepared to be heartbroken when it inevitably <laughs> gets crushed in your luggage. Yes. Memento Mori, man. Yeah. Um, it's <laughs> Emerald Art. Yeah. Yep. Should we take another quick break? Let's. Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> Great. we're back from that break yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah so what something that I feel I never really gave a lot of thought to when I was growing up was just the amount of Mexican ceramic all around my house Mm -hmm. um something that I just took for granted because you know it was always around but same honestly my dad is a big fan of this of this style my parents too. And we, we have it all over the house and I really Mm -hmm. didn't consider how important it was, um, for like folk ceramic artisan tradition until I went to Puebla last year, which we didn't go to Puebla. We were in Mexico state and we were in Oaxaca state. Um, so the state of Puebla is right next to it, basically touching, uh, Mexico and Oaxaca. And um, Puebla is also in the Valley of Mexico. And um, so Puebla is considered the home of some of the most iconic um, Mexican ceramics around, which is called Talavera Poblana. And what that means, Talavera refers to an area of Spain called Talavera de la Reina. Poblana, that refers to Puebla. So why that Talavera pottery um, is a Mexican and Spanish tradition. So when you look up original Talavera ceramic, you have 
examples from Spain and they're very flowery and, and ornate and, and it's, um, you know, we've got some beautiful like porcelain ceramic. However, this, this wasn't a merely Spanish influence. And this is what's really exciting about this ceramic is that actually this style of ceramic, the techniques and designs were introduced to Spain by the Moors in the end of the 12th century. So this is an Islamic tradition, hence the traditional white and blue that is the most traditional glaze of Mm -hmm. the Talavera Poblana pottery. And that's not Spanish, that is Islamic. So this mixture of influence found its way over over the Atlantic into Mexico in the 16th century. It didn't just find its way over there. The Spanish brought it over and said, (laughs) hey, indigenous slaves, we want you to make this pottery. And that's what they did. And the Talavera Poblana is authentic from the cities of Puebla, Atlixco, Cholula, and Tecali. And these are all cities in Puebla. And that area is where you find the best natural clay to make this um, thin glazed earthenware um, called majolica, majolica. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but it's a white base uh, glaze that is typical of this type of uh, earthenware. And it's very thin, um, so very fragile, and it can go wrong at many different stages in the firing process. Um, But most of it's decorated only in blue and white. But however, you do see yellow, black, green, orange, mauve. Um, So those colors, mauve, (laughs) are also used. I love mauve. Mauve. God, (laughs) this is a, do you guys, did you guys watch Hey Arnold? Mm -hmm. Yes. Do you remember the mauve Avenger? (laughs) Oh yeah. <laughs> they they got um they had a like a a soapbox derby and they wanted to name yes. the, the car the Mauve Avenger. <laughs> yes. Adorable. Anyway, I want to rewatch that show. I know I'm probably going to yeah. watch it after this. <laughs> Good call. Anyway, so ceramics was not a new art form in a pre-Hispanic Valley of Mexico. In fact, um, Mesoamerican cultures, pottery and ceramics, huge pottery and ceramics been around for thousands of years. Um, they did not involve a potter's wheel or glazing. However, the indigenous peoples of the Valley of Mexico were already master potters. So it was not hard for them to adopt this um, technique. And the reason why it came over was because the monks who were here on their evangelical crusade um, wanted to have nice tiles for their new monasteries and their beautiful churches. So the city of Puebla, which was founded in 1531, so like freshly, freshly colonized Mexico. um, Puebla was built to um, invite people from Spain to new Spain. And therefore they wanted to build this beautiful city 
that has the most amount of churches of any city in Mexico. It is, it is lousy with churches, churches on top of churches. I'm not even kidding. Um, so they are all decorated with these tiles and, you know, Puebla has high quality clay. So there you go. And so by about 1580, Talavera production in Puebla was full in full swing. Uh, Puebla became the number one spot to find this kind of ceramic. And the sort of golden age of Talavera um, was between 1650 and 1750. Um, however, the production of Talavera wares is still hugely influential to the economy in these cities, and it can be expensive. And there's a lot of argument about authentic Talavera. And so um, a big thing in the last like 20 years or so is the Mexican government has been very adamant about like their cultural heritage and preserving certain items as Mexican cultural heritage. So there's a law in Mexico that says that these items, certain items are considered to be authentic and they have to be marketed as being authentic. And the ones that are not authentic have to be marketed as being not authentic. And so what does that mean in terms of the Talavera? It means that anything that's not from a Talavera taller or workshop in Puebla is not authentic. Does that law ever get enforced? No. <laughs> so, um, so you can buy knockoff Talavera probably down the street from wherever you live, especially if you're in California. But if you're in California or New Mexico or Texas or any of the sort of border states with Mexico, just know that it's probably not the authentic stuff. So if it's going for a lot of cash, just don't buy it. Just wait until you go to Mexico and buy it from them and, you know, spend less money and actually get some authentic stuff from the real deal. Artisans. You heard it here. Yeah. Talavera. Poblana. Buy it. Don't buy it. It doesn't matter. If you like it, go for it. Yes. And it's to live by. It's yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm not going to get into it too much, but on our next subject, the case of the Alebrijes, that one is pretty interesting because Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that what we were being sort of sold on in Oaxaca are not traditional alebrijes. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, we went to um, an amazing alebrije taller. Again, taller is just workshop in Spanish. We went to San Martin Tilcajete, as uh, a city right outside of, um, of the main city center of Oaxaca. And we went to this taller Jacobo and Maria Angeles, who are some of the foremost masters of the Librije tradition in Oaxaca. <laughs> and we got the whole rundown, got to it see. It was incredible. It was just like, oh, 
God. Was, yeah. That was, I like, was like high off of it. I know. You know, mm. everybody was so hungover and like <laughs> throwing we also up. Had a, like, <laughs> well, we had a, a really rough bus ride up there. It was, was it yeah. was very bumpy, uh, very <laughs> bumpy. And so we all were like arrived and we're just like, whoa. But then this man, this this man was just showing us pigments and how they create all the different paints from natural resources. And he was just painting on a, a log and on his hand. And he was like a magician. Yeah. And it was yeah. incredible. He was mixing like, um, wasn't one of it like these little bugs? That yeah. From that we talked about yes. in book club. Cochini. Yeah. The yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also like lime, like adding lime yep. to different um, pigments and, and yeah. what well, that happened. And remember, um, Jen, when we were walking down the street and you're like, why would anyone just need zinc? And it was just like powdered zinc in a big barrel. And then yes. we went to the workshop <laughs> yes. and he was like, and I was like you uh, add zinc. Was yeah. Like, okay. There yeah. we go. Full circle. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think the, zinc, the zinc was like what lightened a lot of pigments, yes. if mm-hmm. I'm recalling that correctly. So he'd be like, Oh, here's a nice deep, dark purple, add some zinc. Here we have a nice lilac. It was, oh, Very it was cool. cool. It was cool. It was great. Yeah. And he was, you know, he showed us the wood the traditional copal wood is what they use to not only sculpt the wooden figures, but also make the pigment. And it was crazy. I mean, (laughs) probably the most, probably the most effective like demonstration that I Mm -hmm. have ever been presented with. Cause after that I was like, I want to buy all of it. Like I'll buy, I'll buy anything. He was phenomenal. He was, and it was just a really, really cool workshop. And so he took us through the workshop and we really got to see from the beginning to the end, how these items are made from the, the, the wood carving that then is burned to get all like the bugs and stuff out of it, all the impurities, Mm -hmm. get it really dry. Then they got to check it for cracks and they take care of the cracks. And don't they like soak it in gasoline for a long ass time to kill the bugs too? I was like, whoa. I know. And it was just like a months and months long process. And just seeing this workshop full of people that are just the, the tiniest like single hair mm-hmm. paintbrushes making the most minute geometrical designs. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely mind blowing. And while I was doing research for this episode, I was shocked to find out that that is not traditional alebrije production. It's just not. Alebrijes originally are from Mexico City. They have a really bizarre (laughs) backstory, um, which I'll get into. So to be clear, I've been talking about alebrijes like everybody knows what I'm talking about. Alebrijes are (laughs) brightly colored uh, Mexican folk art sculptures, and they are um, very fantastical. They're usually animals, but they can have um, anthropomorphized elements. These are just purely fantasy creatures, um, highly stylized, you know, lots of crazy colors, uh, 
really, really just, they're fun. They're fun. <laughs> they are. They are. I mean, honestly, if I knew nothing about Ella Brihaze and someone put one in front of me, I'd be like, that's fun. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're so much fun. They are. And they really I, are so, so much fun. <laughs> I love them. And, you know, especially if you grew up like near Mexican populations or went to Mexico as a kid, you almost certainly had one of those little like turtles with the bobbing head mm-hmm. or the uh, the armadillo or whatever. Oh, yes. And mm-hmm. those are alebrijes. However, the original alebrijes are from Mexico City and they originated in the early 20th century. Um, so the story goes that the first alebrijes, as well as the name itself, are attributed to the esteemed cartonero Pedro Linares, who was an artisan from Mexico City. Um, he specialized in making piñatas, carnival masks, and the Judas figures that we just talked about. And so the legend goes that uh, he was really sick. He had some crazy fever and was sick and was having like hallucinations, which I don't know if you guys have ever had this happen to you before, but I've been that sick and mm-hmm. it's wild. Like yeah, you really horrid. do see yeah. some crazy shit in your fever dreams. Yeah. And he said that in his fever dreams, he was in a forest with rocks and clouds and these, these rocks and clouds were turning into these wild, unnaturally colored creatures that had wings and horns and tails and teeth and bulging eyes. And then he was hearing a crowd of voices repeating over and over the word alebrije, um, which I'm like, okay. Um, After he recovered, he um, then decided that he wanted to make these creatures and um, he wanted to recreate them using his cartoneria skills. So hmm. the early, the, the original alebrijes are actually made of cartoneria or hmm. the hard paper mache. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of the myth. There's another version that sounds a lot more reliable, which is that the painter Jose Gomez Rosas was kind of a big shot over at the San Carlos Arts Academy, which is um, the school that Diego Rivera studied at and a lot of the 20th century Mexican modernists studied at. This story goes that this artist, Gomez Rosas, came up to Linares and was like, hey, we're going to have this big masquerade party at the academy. Can you make some alebrijes to, uh, to decorate? And he was like, whoa, what is that? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't never heard that word before. And, that's, and, that's not real. That's not real. And that Gomez uh, Rosas told him, like, I don't know, just grab some Judas figures and give him a tail and bat wings. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Gom- this artist Gomez Rosas, he often painted these like really bizarre um, kind of zoomorphic, fantastical figures that combined reptile bird insect and mammal parts so that's kind of i don't know seems a little bit more plausible but i still don't know what alebrije means i mean i've looked up the word i I don't know what it's what its etymology is i don't interesting 
I don't know. Um, I like the I like the dream story. I like, I like the dream story. I like the word that the word came to him in a dream. I believe <laughs> I, it. <laughs> no, I think that sounds fine. Um, <laughs> it sounds fine. It's fine. So, um, so you know, this was it got really popular, and of course, who loved Alebrijes? Just take a wild fucking guess. White people. Well, <laughs> Europeans, yeah. but also Diego Rivera and Frida oh. Kahlo. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they you, loved it. it, it could, we could have gone one of two two ways. It could have been just colonists, or it was Diego and Frida. Uh, <laughs> they pop up over and over again because um, they really were some of the most important patrons of the arts in the 20th century in Mexico, mm-hmm. and. Um, and in 1975, this is now, you know, far after Diego and Frida passed away, a documentary film was made by this, um, this woman, Judith Bronowski, um, who was just a filmmaker who was um, very interested in Mexican folk artists and made um, quite a few documentaries between 1975 and 1980, where she the artist. She also highlighted this Oaxacan wood artist named Manuel Jimenez, um, which I actually bought a piece from um, Maria Jimenez Ojeda, which is um, one of his nieces or something. Um, so like these artists have a long history of keeping it in the family and, yeah. and, and working <laughs> on this stuff, you know, kind of like guilds a little bit for sure. This woman, she made this documentary film and it received the National Prize for Popular Arts and Traditions in 1990. And after her film came out, the world knew about Alebrijes and it really made, um, it, it got really popular. And so because of this film and because of the coming together of the work of Pedro Linares and the work of this Manuel Jimenez, Oaxacan artists suddenly were made aware of Alebrijes. And so the existing wood carving tradition took influence from Pedro Linares's work in Mexico City. Hence, and hence, <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the sale of these brightly painted wood carvings started to be called alebrijes to international mm-hmm. tourists and owners of ethnic arts mm-hmm. shops in the U.S., Canada, and Europe. Um, Interesting. And let me tell you that the Linares family were really unhappy about that and were fighting to have the word alebrije some like kind of like copyrighted almost like to (laughs) say that they controlled the name and that only pieces that are sold from the Linares family from Mexico City they should be the only ones called alebrijes obviously that didn't That's work out. Happened, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so the Alebrijes tradition really uh, took hold in Oaxaca. And I got to say that they're doing like really good work. It's uh, <laughs> They're doing a know, great job. <laughs> when you look at the original Alebrijes, especially the ones by um, Pedro Linares, these are, they look 
they're monstrous. They really are made to look like monsters. They have big bulging mm-hmm. eyes and crazy teeth and they're, you know, pretty freaky. Um, the ones that we saw at the taller in San Martin del Cajete, those were like stunning, like mm-hmm. just masterful sculpture items, you yeah. know, like these yeah. were not terrifying, like wild ephemera. These were like something made to be preserved and displayed and, and also going for thousands of dollars, yeah. <laughs> like really expensive items. And so, you know, that's just kind of how things go. And the Oaxaca Valley, uh, many of these rural workshops in the state of Oaxaca have prospered for the past three decades selling these so-called alebrijes. And it's us. It's the tourists. I mean, I I bought some, you know, yeah. like it's yeah. we're the ones that are, are funding this tradition. And and it's maybe not what Pedro Linares hoped for and not what his family likes, but it's just what happened. But like the big problem with the Alebrijes and something that is worth considering is that the success of the craft is leading to like a widespread depletion of the copal tree. Mm. Like that tree is getting like totally decimated. And so now the trees are protected and there's only certain like groves dedicated for alebrije production, but like everything, there's now a black market for the copal trees in Mexico in order to make Alebrijes. So something to think about when you're buying your alebrijes, you know, try to think about the environment because everything comes back to an environmental situation. And this this is a really cool story because it just goes to show how tourism directly impacts folk traditions in Mm -hmm. countries like Mexico. And I feel like the alebrijes are such a good example, not just because of the case that I just put out, but also when we were in San Martin del Cajete, everywhere you just see cocoa shit, just cocoa everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was so funny because I mean, you know, so for those that don't know about cocoa, it's 2017 Disney film, uh, Disney Pixar sort of endeavor that really put alebrijes into these like pop culture mainstream. But it's funny because in the film, these creatures are described as being like intermediaries or like the shepherds between the world of like the living and the dead. And the alebrijes are, are like, they protect like the dead. And um, there's like no evidence of that mythology anywhere like i i didn't read anything anywhere about that there's a there's some dogs have roots in mesoamerican mythology as being in intermediaries between the land of the living and the land of the dead but not these alebrije creatures um well, I so, guess, I mean, my my brain just goes to the dream story, though. Like, right. if these creatures came in a dream, 
that's kind of between the living and the dead a little bit. So I don't know if that is maybe maybe where they like a jumping off point where they kind of came up with that mythology, you know? Yeah, I mean, sure. But I mean, I'll say that the movie definitely made an impact on the production of Alebrijes. And now Mm -hmm. to the point where the dog from the movie with the big tongue hanging out is Mm -hmm. like a common Alebrije that you can find at like any of the mercados in Oaxaca, Mm -hmm. which you wouldn't have seen that probably before, right? But it's like a, but you know, what I think is that Alebrijes are just another facet of this syncretism of not just indigenous and European symbolism, but often left out is the African symbolism, which I feel that when I look at the um, Alebrije like figures, I see African influence as well. So I just think sure. that's just my two cents. No, agreed. Yeah, especially with like the geometric design and a lot of mm-hmm. the color is definitely related i mean i don't know how much of that is just overlap or like influence but the colors remind me a lot yeah especially um i think that why i think that is uh, the the use of like fiber art and mm-hmm. like so sometimes you'll see alebrijes with like big lion's manes or or even like beards and mustaches and and that kind of fiber art especially in some of the stuff that we didn't talk about today, like Mexican mask folk art, which is a big one that has very direct African influence. And um, yeah, there's just, there's so much, there's so much that we don't have time to talk about, but all the various little guys, I just loved, I loved them. Mm -hmm. We went to that. You guys didn't go. God, that it was called La Mano Magica gallery. I spent, I spent so much money there, you guys. <laughs> I spent so much money there. <laughs> oh, what a what a trip. What a rich, a whole lot of rich traditions of art to be found and appreciate. Not to be found. They're found, but that's the wrong word. But um, just to be appreciated there. It's like so colorful and really the especially with the Ali Brijes, like just the level of detail dude because like we painted our own oh and God. I was like oh um <laughs> I, I was so. trying like to not even talk about that because I, <laughs> I had a nervous breakdown trying like Corey you didn't get to see my complete nervous breakdown while we were painting these stupid stupid little things but it was uh I'll never do it again and uh I have so much respect for these these artists Mm -hmm. it's outrageous for sure (laughs) oh Jen that was beautiful you truly uh, you really brought it yeah there's a lot of information well here killed it there it is there it is (laughs) yeah us to you we loved mexico i loved all this art i'm so glad that we um got to spend time with the fans and i really i just can't wait to do it again you guys so same let's make it happen yeah Yeah, totally let's do it any items of business (laughs) Business items items of business i don't um we have a Patreon. Oh. Patreon.com slash our history babes. That's business. Yeah, that's a, check that's out a, our 
Patreon. Check out uh, our Patreon. Check you know, out. And we wrote a book. We wrote a yeah, book. Yeah, we did that a while back. You can check you can that always, out. Always Talk get on it. that. Yeah. You can, you can check um, out our Instagram. That's mm-hmm. a place. That's a place. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> beyond that, you know, everyone just uh, stay hydrated. Yes. Yep. I am so dehydrated right now. <laughs> I am too. I know. Corey ran out of water and now it's like... <laughs> It's like it's turning into an emergency. <laughs> it kind of so. is. I don't even think Guys, we, we, were, we gotta go. I don't, even, <laughs> I don't even think we like told the listeners, but I'm recording from my car right now. Yeah, and, like I, God, like 20 <laughs> minutes in, I ran out of water, and now yeah. I'm just like, oh no. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we're, we're all gonna go drink some water. Yeah, and I hope you should. You are too. If you're listening yeah. to this, go drink some water. You know. Uh, Watch Coco, I guess, if you haven't yeah. seen it. <laughs> good movie. It is a good movie. It's maybe cry, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's same. a good movie. It's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Uh, if, um, yeah. Watch you Coco. took anything away from this. Watch <laughs> yeah. Watch Coco. Go to Mexico. And um, when you're done listening to this, please comment your um, your favorite moment on the trip. Love to hear it. And uh, for those of you who would like to travel with the art history babes, send us an email. Let us know. Let us let us know what you want to do or you want to go. Yeah. All right, Bye everybody. Bye, friends. It's been Thanks. real. We love, we love you. Bye. 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 The art history babes. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.